as they say, turn it up loud. It is the midday program on the Rural Radio Network with news, information, sports, weather, everything that you need here in the next couple of hours on your station of the Rural Radio Network. And I am Dirk Christensen. We have Joe Gangwish over here. Lo and behold, finally, a new Ag Secretary. Yeah, I think we just beat the 100 days uh, from... uh, Trump became president to finally having an ag secretary, yeah. thank goodness. Sonny Perdue is the man. He spoke to uh, his USDA employees this morning, was sworn in. He's having a busy first day. And we're going to have the president signing an executive order concerning agriculture. We'll tell you what that is at 1213. Also, the first uh, suits against Syngenta in that whole Viterra case. That uh, goes to court this week, and we'll talk more about that at 1213. Dewey Nelson with Lance Burdett, account manager from Water Street Solutions at 1219. They'll talk about how to improve your lender relationships. Everybody needs good relationships with their lenders, especially better these than a, economic Better times. than a bad one. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Newsmaker today is Steve Waller, a friend of the Rural Radio Network, dean of the College of Ag Sciences and Natural Resources. He's going to step back a little bit. He'll be at the University of Nebraska, transitioning to a new role. Shaley Peters visited with him. They'll talk about what his new role will be at 1245 and in more with Sonny Purdue on his chat with his USDA staff this morning Susan Littlefield has some comments from Sonny that's at 117 that's great all right we'll listen for that one and Jason Jorgensen's over here on sports big news in NASCAR this morning yeah, yeah that was the end of this true. year little E won't be trading paint anymore <laughs> <laughs> he's well, retire. he's got a pretty darn good reason for it, though. That's right. He's, he's married. swapping spit with his new wife. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, <laughs> supposedly, I, I don't know. <laughs> Can I was, we roll that back? Yeah, <laughs> Ciao. No, he's married once family. And, of yes. course, I don't know if he's ever gotten over his concussion issues yeah, totally yeah. from last year. And He's not been the driver he once was, but he will say so long at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. He's got a very impressive record. That's true. So we will touch on that. Also, we'll talk some Husker baseball. Nebraska dropped their midweek game last week, losing to Creighton. Well, tonight they'll take on Omaha. Huskers' RPI has snuck up to 38. It would not do it any good if they were to lose to the Mavericks tonight. We'll get the thoughts of Coach Erstad about that. Also, we'll tell you about a former Creighton Blue Jay gets another chance to square off against Clayton Kershaw tonight in the major leagues. Ty Block, who actually beat Kershaw a year ago and had a couple of hits against Kershaw late in the year, gets another chance tonight to go against one of the the best in the majors. What RPI do we want the Huskers to be at? As high as possible. As high as possible. So 38's (laughs) okay and the 20's would be better they keep winning it should keep rising but your rbi can be knocked down when you lose these midweek games we will listen for the stories and bob brogan has business news the nasdaq is up above six thousand that's the big news the uh, dow also up pretty good 242 points other things going on today u.s home prices rose at the fastest pace in nearly three years we're watching the effects of that Uh, so things are looking pretty good Also, uh, kind of an interesting come-to-Jesus meeting taking place. Wells Fargo shareholders are getting a big apology because the bank allowed a bunch of uh, customer account information to get out there. And, you know, somebody's having to reach to see if the air conditioner is on in the room today. So 
Things are uh, a little bit uh, frosty there. Yes, colorfully put. Thanks. Where else in five minutes will you hear swap and spit and come I to I don't Jesus. think you'd find that anywhere. Listen, gentlemen, so stay tuned. It's all coming your way today on Midday. Paul Perkins stops in here to find out where the precipitation has come and gone. Yeah, we do have some still some light rain into northeast Nebraska still, especially in that northeast corner to the north of Albion on up to the northeast corner of Nebraska. Then just some scattered areas of light rain right now in central portions of Nebraska towards Sloop City and St. Paul, also to the west of O'Neill. And also some light rain starting to reform as you head to the west of North Platte from about Tryon down to around Imperial. And some of that moisture falling into the way of some light snow on into the northwest corner of the Cherry County area. We are expecting more rain to form as the day goes on. Some rain and thunderstorms remain a possibility as that area of low pressure tracks east across Kansas. The better chances today continuing to be to the north of I-80. Rain possible, but it won't be certainly an all-day washout like most of us are seeing a bit of a break from the rain. But once again, more chances likely as the afternoon goes on. Those rain chances, though, start to drop off tonight from west to east. High pressure builds in behind that departing low. That'll bring in some gusty northwest winds late tonight into tomorrow. At least the sunshine returns tomorrow. Then the winds start to die down for tomorrow night. And then those clear skies and light winds very favorable for widespread frost as we head towards Thursday morning. And a lot of locations looking at temperatures down to around 30, some upper 20s to low 30s. So take note in your area. The next low impacts the area late Thursday in the Sunday. Rain chances likely, especially early on. Those chances linger with this next system late in the week through early Sunday. And this system looks to be the better chances of these two systems for some rain showers and some beneficial rain totals that look likely for much of the area. There is a chance we could see some snow mixed into the west of Highway 281 Saturday night, possibly into Sunday morning, but not expecting anything in the way of accumulations. High pressure clears the skies and begins a warming trend for Sunday and early next week. That break, though, short-lived as the forecast models bring another relatively cool system from the northwest Tuesday evening through Wednesday of next week. That is reflected in the long-term forecast, a rather good chance, especially early next week. Temperatures will be cooler than normal in Nebraska and Kansas Sunday through May 8th, early next week. In Nebraska and Kansas, above normal, temp- above normal precipitation is forecast for early next week, but then late next week through May 8th, it's actually looking to be drier than normal. So hopefully we do get these beneficial rains late in the week on top of what we've seen so far. Soil temperature is at the 4-inch depth at 7 this morning, as cool as the upper 40s in the northern third of Nebraska. Most areas with soil temperatures in the low 50s, including the southern two-thirds of Nebraska, west and north Kansas, south of I-70, and central and east Kansas, so soil temperatures in the mid-50s. Weather factors driving the market trade today include a round of colder weather with moderate to heavy rain disrupting planting in the Midwest and possible freeze damage to Southern Plains wheat. Disturbances continuing to parade across the country for a cool and rainy pattern in many locations. Heavy rain and colder weather in the Midwest the next week will disrupt their planting. The greatest lag in the Midwest in the north and west, north and west Midwest, north of I-80. Farther south, though, soybean planting in Mississippi, Louisiana, and Arkansas, it's more than twice the normal pace in all three states. In the northern plains, the wet conditions and lower temperatures putting a halt to the field work and planting. The rain will continue to help soil moisture for wheat in the southern plains. 
Several instances, though, in the next few days of near-freezing temperatures will need to be watched where wheat is heading. Kansas wheat right now heading progress at 25%. In Argentina, just some light showers followed by a dry period will help with harvest progress in Cordoba and Santa Fe. In Brazil, additional rain is on the way for their second crop corn that's now in the pollination and fill stages. Our ag weather is brought to you today by Coolman Repair. Here's this item that says some chances of accumulating snow for Friday night through Saturday. This is out of Goodland. Okay. They're talking about west of Highway 27. Which is probably in Colorado, yeah, northeast yeah. Colorado. Yeah. Into that area over there. Oh, and by the way, the soil temperature at Dewey Nelson's hometown, <laughs> uh, Wilmer, Minnesota, is still at 34. I ask if they're still they're planning with that, and he goes, no, for some reason. I don't know why. <laughs> You'd think the winter wheat would be perfect up there right now. All right, when you need weather anytime, of course. KRVN.com. Here's a look at ag information. Joe Gangwish here on the Rural Radio Network. Farmers' voices will be heard as they get set to join President Trump in a roundtable. Later on today, Shaley Peters has details. The president will join several farmers and livestock producers from around the U.S. in a roundtable to discuss certain issues facing the ag industry right now. Ray Starling, a special assistant to the president on agriculture, says trade will be a big issue up for discussion. If you look at agreements like NAFTA, if you look at the negotiations that happened in TPP, certainly on the table there were good things there for ag. I think there was renowned recognition across the ag communities that should this become... Uh, our agreement. This is good for us. Uh, I believe those things now become a part of the new conversations, even in the bilateral agreements, to the extent that we're not pursuing multilateral uh, large trade agreements like the TPP. And so I think the point to be made there is uh, these farmers will make sure they leave the president with an impression of how important that agricultural trade is, and in particular how important that agricultural trade is just north and just, just south of our border here with the United States, uh, namely with Canada and Mexico. Along with today's roundtable, President Trump will be signing an executive order promoting agriculture and rural prosperity in America. For the Rural Radio Network, I'm Shaylee Peters. Of course, all this taking place as Sonny Perdue was sworn in earlier this morning. That executive order will sunset the White House Rural Council that was started under President Obama back in 2011. Trump's White House will restart a similar interagency rural task force to look at legislative, regulatory, or policy issues that hinder economic growth in agriculture. One U.S. Senator took advantage of floor time during the confirmation of Sonny Perdue yesterday as the next Secretary of Agriculture. More on that from Susan Littlefield. Senator Pat Roberts of Kansas, who heads up the Senate Ag Committee, took time during Sonny Perdue's confirmation to stress the importance of trade. During this critical time, Mr. President, the importance of trade for the agriculture industry cannot be overstated. We have to understand within the administration, within this Senate, and with our colleagues in the House, that yes, it is important to export things that we make, but it is also equally important to export things that we grow. And on top of all this, our farmers and ranchers and rural businesses have been burdened by regulations from agencies from across the federal government. I've heard time and time again hard to understand regulations have and are endangering the ability of our producers to even stay in business. Members of the Agriculture Committee have a lot of work to do over the next two years, including regulatory reform and recommending to our new secretary uh, what he can do in that regard. The senator also stressed the importance of the next farm bill. 
I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. The first of at least half a dozen trials began yesterday in state court in Minneapolis as farmers and grain handlers tried to prove that Syngenta rushed its Viptera genetically engineered corn and then a second insect-resistant GMO seed to market before obtaining import approval from China. The subsequent rejection of U.S. corn shipments ended up depressing corn prices for five years as China continued to buy from other countries, according to those farmers in the case. Syngenta denies any wrongdoing. Now, the first trial coming up in Minnesota, that is from Morse Bluff, Nebraska farmer Daniel Mensick, who claims he lost $125,000 in sales because of the mishandling of that genetically engineered corn. And ground has been broken for a $12 million, 11,700 square foot expansion at Cargill's cooked egg facility in Mason City, Iowa. And catch more ag news by going to ruralradio.com. This is the Rural Radio Network. How to improve your lender relationships. That's what we'll talk about today with Lance Burdett, Account Manager, Water Street Solutions. Lance, good lender relationships are important. What do today's bankers look for in farmers? Well, doing an hour work uh, advising and consulting with farmers across the Corn Belt, we're often asked what bankers really do want in a client or a prospective client. I believe that today's lenders really are looking for a number of things in the farm leaders they want to work with. In the past, lenders may have done business through handshake deals or by focusing on the aspects such as a farmer's character or reputation in the community. But the ballgame has changed in today's regulatory environment and with today's agricultural economy. It remains true that those factors like business reputation and character ultimately do always matter when it comes to running a business well, but there are additional skills and behaviors that today's ag lenders are seeking in their clients and any potential future clients they may take on. You will want to commit to learning these skills, whether you love your current banking relationship or you're actively seeking a new one. It's always helpful to remember that these facets aren't just important in your banker's eyes. If I might add, sometimes the bankers catch a pretty bad rap because of asking for additional due diligence. Many of the things I hear them asking for today are really good in our opinion and critical to running a successful farm business. You mentioned skills. What are some of those, Lance? Well, I see three main aspects as critically important to today's ag lenders uh, and to really your business. As I'm describing each one, I'd encourage the listeners maybe to give themselves a rating on how they're currently doing in each area. The first is your business savvy and financial know-how. Bankers really want to know that you have a certain level of financial understanding as you run your business. So you need to be able to have conversations with them about your farm's financials. Using the terms and concepts that they use, commit to learning more and understanding how to converse with your banker, banker at their level and with their language. Second, I think bankers really are seeking farmers who engage in forward-looking planning. Lenders are looking for farmers who are actively envisioning what's next for their farm business. They want the farm leader to bring plans detailing exactly what the leader is going to do to make the farm successful. And then it's important to make sure those plans are used to actually help guide the future. The strategy doesn't have to be set in stone, but it helps build the banker's confidence and allows them to see the types of actions you're going to take to reach your goals this year, as well as those in your future vision. You've mentioned two areas. What's the third area for us to consider? 
Knowing and using your numbers is the third critical area. When it comes to decision-making on the farm, lenders want to work with farmers who actively use their farm's key numbers. They want to know that the decisions you're making, whether a major purchase or other smaller decision, are based on solid data, not emotion, using your operation's detailed financial analysis and understanding. Finally, again, I'd encourage the listeners to rate yourself in each area. Where could you take action to improve? Wouldn't it be great to impress your banker with your financial intelligence while running your business better? Work with an ag finance advisor to get data and plans in place to help run the farm by the numbers. You can get in touch with a Water Street Solutions Ag Finance Advisor today by contacting us. You can contact them at waterstreet.org or call 866-249-2528. Today we've talked about how to improve your lender relationships with Lance Burdett, Water Street Solutions. You're listening to Midday on the Rural Radio Network. Let's check sports with Jason Jorgenen. Hey, thanks, Dirk. Well, one of NASCAR's most popular drivers won't be trading pain anymore. Hedrick Motorsports says Dale Earnhardt Jr. will retire at the end of the season. Earnhardt is a 14-time winner of NASCAR's most popular driver award. He has 26 career cup victories, and that includes a pair of wins in the Daytona 500. He's also the two-time champion in NASCAR's second-tier series, but the son of the late seven-time champion has never won a cup title. He turns 43 this fall and was married during the offseason, and has stated that he'd like to start a family. He's also been plagued by concussions and missed half of last season after suffering yet another one of those. Well, after hitting the road for four straight games last week, the Husker baseball team is back at home one time this week as they'll take on Omaha tonight at Hawksfield. Now, NU lost its midweek game to Creighton a week ago, and head coach Darren Erstad hopes the Huskers are more focused tonight. We're not built to just roll out there and, you know, oh, we're just going to mangle people and, and win by 10 runs, you know, every game. That's not how we play. We have to play good baseball, and, and it doesn't matter who our opponent is. we got to execute at a very high level. Uh, but that being said, I'm confident that our guys will do that, and you know we understand how important it is to show up every game. Uh, we had a little bit of a hiccup with that, and on Tuesday of last week, and and you know I just didn't like our preparation going into the Creighton game. Erstad made his comments this week on the Husker Sports Network. Now NU takes on a Maverick team that's just 10 and 29 this year, but Nebraska only beat Omaha three to one a couple of weeks back. First pitch tonight is set for 6.35 in Lincoln. The Huskers softball team plays its final non-conference game of the regular season tonight as the Huskers are in Omaha to take on Creighton. That one should start around 6. Former Creighton pitcher Ty Block gets another chance tonight against Dodgers ace Clayton Kershaw when they face off. Now, if you remember last October, the Giants rookie went 2-for-3 off of Kershaw, helping him with a pair of singles while pitching eight shutout innings to win at AT&T Park. They'll match up for a second time tonight in San Francisco, where Kershaw is 10-4 and overall. Mike Tirico is taking the reins from Tom Hammond as host of NBC's Triple Crown horse racing coverage. Tirico adds a job to his recently announced duties as host of the network's primetime Olympics coverage, which starts next winter in South Korea. Hammond has accepted a reduced role at recovering races for more than 30 years at the network. He turned 73 this spring. In the NBA playoffs tonight, there are three games of note. Houston's hosting Oklahoma City. It's Memphis at San Antonio. The late game has the Jazz at the Clippers. That is a look at sports. Stay tuned. More Midday is just ahead. You are listening to the Rural Radio Network.
Chance of showers throughout the day today. Highs in the low 60s in the east to low 50s in the central and west. I'm Dave Schroeder. Firefighters used a private citizen's boat to rescue a visually impaired teenager who flipped while kayaking on a lake in an Omaha suburb. Deputy Fire Chief Jeff Jones of the Papillion Department says a boy's mother was watching from shore last evening as he paddled across Walnut Creek Lake. The boy was wearing a life jacket and was able to hold on to a nearby tree in the 105-acre impoundment after the kayak turned over 40 to 50 yards from shore. Jones says a man who happened by offered his boat, so one of the firefighters borrowed it and motored out to reach the teen and return him to safety. The boy was cold but not injured. Jones says the boy's kayak was recovered later. Lincoln County Sheriff's Office deputies were called to the Sutherland Care Center on Friday afternoon on a report of a theft. A woman at the care center told deputies her wallet had been stolen. The victim of the theft said several hundred dollars was taken from her car. She said the wallet also held several credit cards. After investigating, deputies contacted 24-year-old Caitlin Blossie of Sutherland. A search of Blossie's vehicle turned up the wallet, money, and credit cards. The woman was arrested and charged with theft of more than $500 and illegal possession of a financial transaction device, both misdemeanors. The woman posted 10% of $5,000 bond and was released. The Nebraska Rural Living website is an outlet for rural Nebraska artists who want to show and sell their paintings, sculptures, uh, drawings or photographs. They're encouraged to submit samples of their work to the online art gallery by May 1st. Betty Sayer is a co-creator of the website and online art gallery. We have what is called rural art and it's artists in towns under 10,000 and at this time in the, the year we have 18 artists. They're either photographers, they are fine artists, painters, they have sculpture and we ask them to submit their work to a jury. They have their own wall in the gallery. The artwork just stands out. It's gorgeous on that gallery. Artists, sculptors, and photographers wanting to show their work are urged to go to the website NebraskaRuralLiving.com and click on Rural Art. Secretary of State Chris Kobach in Kansas says he's planning to remain in Kansas rather than take a job in President Donald Trump's administration. He made the remark during an interview on Fox News program about Trump's plans to build a wall along the U.S.-Mexican border. Kobach advised Trump's campaign last year. News happens anytime, anywhere. Send word to us with a tip under the news tab at krvn.com. In the News Center, I'm Dave Schroeder. Thank you, Dave. The news presented by Heritage Homes of Nebraska, the preferred rural builder. Find out more at heritagehomesofne.com. After 17 years a fixture at the University of Nebraska, Lincoln is looking towards his future. Dean Steve Waller is moving on to a different role. I'm Shaylee Peters on the Rural Radio Network, and today we visit here with Dean Waller. And Dean Waller, why don't we look back to the beginning here when you started with the university? My wife and I moved to Lincoln in 1978 to uh, join what was in the Department of Agronomy uh, as a faculty member and uh, have never uh, looked back, basically, from that uh, point and have thoroughly enjoyed 
every moment of uh, every day in the positions I've had, but I have to admit that uh, being the dean for 17 years is beyond my my wildest expectations and a, truly a blessing for me professionally as well as my family uh, personally. So um, a lot of wonderful memories, and every one of them, I think, had a had a name, and it was a student. And uh, I'm optimistic enough to think that my favorite memory is yet to come, uh, and they've all been good to this point. But uh, every day in Kasner has truly been a, a treat. Uh, it's one of those kinds of positions you hope everybody gets to experience because it it really doesn't feel like a job. It, it aligns more with a passion, and I've been very fortunate. I know you said you're optimistic that some of your favorite memories are yet to come, but I think you can certainly agree there have been some highlights as you look back on these 17 years as Dean specifically. Agriculture and natural resources in themselves have grown so much and changed so much in your time as Dean. Why don't you touch on some of those, if you wouldn't mind? The uh, the first uh, few years was just trying to get our our hands around uh, some budget challenges and uh, some uh, issues relative to where agriculture broadly defined uh, fit within society and their understanding of opportunities. So uh, that that period of time was um, uh, challenging. Uh, but equally interesting. But the the first real memory was uh, of consequence was uh, the benchmark around uh, having conversations relative to the name of the college, uh, which, uh, while difficult at the time, turned out to be uh, a landmark in terms of our growth. So since that point, which was 2005, uh, we've grown every year since and. That's, you know, that's a favorite memory because it speaks to the uh, opportunities and uh, optimism for the future that are embedded in agriculture. And with that, we've seen changes in degree programs. I think we've nearly doubled the number of uh, majors that we have uh, offer. And the diversification of those programs, the importance of agriculture broadly, uh, the foundational science that drives a lot of what we do that has relevance across the wide spectrum of, of opportunities that students, when I started in the position, would never have imagined being something that would come out of, a, you know, a college of ag. Uh, so the the change has been uh, one of the biggest memories, I think, because the faculty and staff and students and families have always embraced it as we move forward. So. You know, not every day was the same. In fact, I think everyone was different, and a lot of it was uh, evolving with the change that we were going through as a society. And the uh, elevation of agriculture over this period of time has been a, a wonderful environment for us to be working in. I've got one final question for you here, and directing away from Kasner and more for your future. This is not the end of the line for you here, and I imagine your time with Kasner has direct uh, impacted this decision. But talk about where you'll be headed and kind of what your goals are with your new role. I'm very fortunate because uh, we've we've planned this transition, and uh, it's 
it's important uh, for me not to, to leave the student and the college environment because I, uh, I really <laughs> I don't know what I'd do without students. And so I have the, the wonderful opportunity to uh, become the director for the Center for Grassland Studies uh, in, uh, on East Campus, and uh, it's uh, following uh, Dr. Martin Massengale, which uh, is an honor in itself. But it's also in the area that I uh, came to Nebraska back in 78 to pursue, which was um, range science. So uh, it's almost full circle for me uh, personally and professionally to come back into uh, the Center for Grassland Studies. It offers two academic programs. Uh, there will be uh, opportunities to interact with students. My office uh, uh, will look onto the uh, street that the new... Uh, Residence Hall on East Campus is being built, so I'll get to watch the first group of students move into the uh, new residence hall. And interestingly enough, the office that I've uh, inherited uh, used to be the department head's office for agronomy when I interviewed in 1978. So I'm going to sit in the very same office I interviewed in. And if that's not full circle, I'm, I'm not sure what it is. But I just I've been blessed to be dean, uh, and uh, I'm equally blessed to have this opportunity to stay engaged with students and be part of the campus life. And that will give me a, a front row seat on how the college um, evolves into the future. And uh, our interim dean, Dr. Tiffany Hang Moss, is the college is in wonderful hands, and it's going to be fun to see where it goes. Thank you so much. Dean Steve Waller talking to us today here about uh, kind of giving us some parting words as he prepares to transition out of CASNR, the College of Agricultural Sciences and Natural Resources, after being there for 17 years, not slowing down much, but transitioning on to some new roles. I'm Shaylee Peters, and you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Now to talk about the livestock futures close, here's Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Joe? Well, good afternoon. Uh, well, at least we have some positive things to talk about today. Pretty good day for cattle and a real good day for uh, hogs. Uh, I'd say a lot of it had to do with the uh, cold storage report that came out last night, and uh, which was positive uh, in both instances. Uh, plus, uh, we had a nice rebound uh, in uh, in cattle. So uh, after kind of a disappointing uh, Monday, we came back uh, pretty strong. But uh, uh, cutouts at noon uh, off a little bit uh, in the choice, up in the select. Uh, so kind of muted uh, some of the gains that were uh, taking place uh, during the day. But uh, all in all, a pretty good uh, rebound in the cattle. No cash trade uh, that I've heard of uh, to report. So uh, uh, pretty much just a uh, turnaround Tuesday for uh, for the cattle. Uh, over in the hogs, though, uh, real good action. Uh, some very positive uh, moves in the uh, summertime contracts, uh, reflecting, uh, I think, uh, the cold storage report, which uh, uh, helped. Plus, you throw in the technical uh, turnaround that we had uh, the day before. Uh, I think that brought on some uh, new buying. Cash was steady, firm uh, today. That also uh, helped uh, the trade 
and uh, we had some uh, real positive gains in the hogs. So all in all, uh, livestock had a very good day. Thanks, Joe. Joe Teal, Great Plains Commodities. Call him at 800-328-0134. I'm Dewey Nelson. 880-KRVN. The sleeps rolled up. Sunny Purdue is ready to tackle the job as Ag Secretary. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. It was standing room only as the newly appointed Ag Secretary addressed the USDA staff and media. He reminded folks that they need to remember who they serve. I want to recognize that our producers and our ranchers and our foresters all across this land, what they put on the line every spring and putting that crop in the ground, we need to have a heart for what they go through every day as the producers. And I've got some friends at home who are in the dairy business right here, day in and day out. Those cows don't take a vacation. They uh, they get up every day and expect to be milked. And we've got people out there on the farms and, and forests and ranches of this nation that are at work today while we're here celebrating a, a new uh, installation of a Secretary of Agriculture. They're down there doing the tough jobs. Our hearts need to be with them because they're the ones that, that give us our job and they they need us to be working for them day in and day out. So I want to assure you that our customers, our consumers, will have a seat at the table always. They will be welcome here, and their opinion will be listened to as, uh, because they're the ones that uh, are, we're serving. And it comes as no surprise to many that trade is one of his top priorities. You know, the great thing about it is we live in a wonderful, wonderful nation. Think about the abundance that we see around us. In fact, one of the challenges that I heard as I visited with over 75 senators was, you know, we need to have a good trade policy because our producers out there have been so productive, we've got a, we've got a lot of stuff we need to sell. And uh, we're going to sell it worldwide. Trade's going to be at the top of our agenda as, as well as other things. But we've got to, we've got to be good traders. We, we're in a nation that's been blessed with abundance of the safest, most available, and the uh, most inexpensive food supply in the world. We almost take that for granted sometimes. And Secretary Purdue says he vision for the USDA. This is not something new to me. We talked about when I was governor of Georgia. We want to be facts and evidence-based. We want to make decisions based on facts and evidence. That means good sound science uh, when it's present there to make policies based on that. USDA does a wonderful job collecting data from all over the world. We want to be data-driven. We, I'm not smart enough to make intuitive decisions. I need good data. I need good sound science to make decisions on. But always, as we said earlier, we won't have a... Everything we do and will do will be customer-based and customer-driven because that's who we serve. And being innovative is what the Secretary would like to do. He said, especially when you look at what's happening in agriculture. We want to be a USDA that's just as innovative as our producers, just as solution-based, just as forward-thinking about where we go, where we take this agency and in the future. You know things are changing tremendously. Technology, so many other things are changing. We want to be on the forefront of that change for good, for uh, for America and really um, the world that depends on America's productivity. I want to maximize the opportunity 
and the ability of the men and women of America's agriculture and agribusiness sector to create jobs to produce and sell the food and fiber. Comments from the new Secretary of Agriculture, Sonny Perdue. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. Today we talk about a significant rally in wheat as well as corn. And with us is John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter, This Week in Grain. So a number of factors, but the greatest of which probably might be short positions or weather, one or the other. Well, you know, it's, it's a little bit like what's, what's moving at the chicken or the egg. I think the weather is what's is the fuel here. We have the, the spark is what's been needed in these egg markets really the last six weeks uh, as the short position has been building and building. And, and it's really, we've just been looking across the board trying to figure something out that's going to make these guys move aside. And it finally looks to be maybe a little frost out west, the massive rainstorm that's going to hit the central part of the belt, and then the late planting up north. Now, a lot of that stuff can get, get alleviated pretty quickly, but I don't know if the, if the latter uh, is going to happen immediately. And, uh, you know, you start getting into mid-May, if you don't have the corn in the ground um, across the country, the trade's going to start to sink yield, yield cuts. Now, I mean, we're not talking about 10%, maybe a couple of bushels here or there, um, but you got to start. You got to realize if you're in the corn markets right now that the trade is basically priced in the U.S. as this massive producer, and and that's really not the case, given that our demand is so strong. Uh, you know, we start losing a million acres, or even you know, five hundred to a million acres up in the Dakotas, you start penciling in a 165 yield on 81, 82 million harvested, and you're going to have to start seeing demand come off. Now, that might come off anyway, but shorter term here, the trade, I think, is, is going to be moving aside. Um, we did run into the 50-day moving average on corn there into the close. I think that was what, what broke it uh, back into kind of the more middle part of the range here. But, um, you know, once we get through this delivery period, the bin doors go shut again for a lot of guys. We start focusing on what's in the ground going forward, not so much what's in the bin. And I think that that stands to provide some, some bullishness here in the next couple of weeks. There was concern that, you know, sometime in the near future we'd see volatility. I just didn't know it was going to come this quick. I, you know, if you, if you did this interview four hours ago, my head would have been in my hands looking at the wheat markets. I thought Chicago wheat breaking below three four dollars uh, kind of had me thinking what was going to happen uh, was, was what, what happened in December and in September when we broke. You know, we printed 367 lows. Uh, in those months, uh, on that front month as we went into delivery, and I was thinking, okay, here we go again. We're going to be down 20 cents into Friday, but it turned around, and I think the forecast had a lot to do with it. I think, uh, you know, we're starting to see a little movement here. I'm not I'm not trying to get bullish yet, but uh, I think there could be something afoot as, as far as the wheat markets. They're the key right now. Should we not get bearish, though, either? I wouldn't get bullish on the corn. I think you see this thing trade up to three ninety-five, four dollars. You got to start to manage those risks. Beans are another story. This delay could bring more bean acres onto the onto the kind of platform so be careful with that market thanks john john payne senior marketing analyst daniel's ag marketing in chicago dewey nelson on the rural radio network